got blood, we've got destroyers, so you know what that means. Welcome to another exciting episode of Blood and Destroyers, an all-elite wrestling podcast brought to you by RPGera.com. I, of course, am your host, Brian, and joining me on the show today, he is one of the co-hosts you can sometimes hear on the Max Level podcast, it is Sev. Afternoon, Brian. Afternoon, everybody. As standard for my appearances, I have brought along another stable. You're going to have to bear with me on this one because it's a mashup. So for okay. every two wrestlers, they'll smash together to make one. Oh, God. <laughs> We've got Peter Avalon slash Ace Steel, Josh Matthews slash John Silver, Kenny King slash Spaceman Frank Hickey, and then Johnny Gargano slash Kevin Kelly. And they make typo double negative. Uh, uh, you lost me on that one. Okay, so basically, you know, like Peter Avalon, Ace Steel makes Peter Steel, and we got Josh, Josh Silver, Kenny Hickey, and John Kelly, the four band members that make up the band type, uh, Typo Negative. You put too much work into this. Yeah, I have to be creative every week, but like, otherwise, I'm just going to go back. <laughs> otherwise, I'm just going to go back to using Bear Bronson for everything. <laughs> Bear Bronson or Nick Camarado. Yeah, the wardrobe. yeah, the wardrobe. The wardrobe himself. I mean, that's creative. I wouldn't have thought of that. Holy crap. You lost me when you were going through it. I needed the explanation. I needed the cliff notes on that one. I knew it was going to be a wild, It'd be a wild shot. At least I didn't come up with a rapper that you'd not really heard of. I thought you'd at least heard of uh, Typo Negative. I have heard of Typo Negative. I did. I, I, I do know Typo Negative. I do know Peter Steele. Uh, but I would not have understood that's what you were doing without the explanation. <laughs> <laughs> Special shout out to Occam's Laser for the excellent intro theme of the podcast. Go check him out wherever you can find music and people, including YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud, Bandcamp, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You won't be disappointed. Please take a moment and do us a favor if you'd be so kind. Head on over to Apple Podcasts or whichever app you've chosen to listen to us on and drop us a quick rating and a review. It really does help us out in terms of visibility so that this show continues to grow. And remember, we are on Patreon now as well. Patreon.com forward slash RPG era. Check out our tiers, see what we're doing. And if you feel inclined, toss us a couple bucks each month. If not, continue to listen to the episodes as they upload each week works wonders as well. And of course, special shout out to current executive producers, Jexax and Zanku. So we have a little bit of an explanation. We uh, skipped last week. I pretty much have been mentioning this on all of our weekly content that I am responsible for. We took last week off. I was in a, a little bit of a sad, depressed state. One of the cats that I lived with down here in the basement. He wasn't my cat. He was my roommate's cat. He was Justin's cat. His name was Miz, fittingly enough, for a wrestling podcast. Um, he was about 13 years old, and, you know, like I said, he lived down here in the basement with me because he never went upstairs. All their stuff is down here, so he had no reason to go down upstairs ever, really, so... Um, he was fine. Like he was doing great. He was eating. He was drinking. He was going to the bathroom. Like everything seemed normal up until last Friday. And this would have been not, not this past Friday. So not two days ago, but on the 23rd of September. So about a week and a half ago to this point. And on Friday evening, like he just kind of collapsed and stopped moving. Uh, Justin and his girlfriend took him to a vet hospital because it was kind of late in the evening and they ran some tests on him, did some blood work, and they found out that he had stage four kidney failure and they made the decision to put him down. Right. I mean, it was probably the right decision to make there because the the vets had said they only had about a 10 percent chance of survival if they would have done anything. So 
Um, we skipped a majority of the content last week. We didn't do Blood and Destroyers. We didn't do the Max Level Podcast. I still put up an episode of BG Mania at some point, right? But, like, I'm really behind on that show. And I even delayed putting Kyle's media files up last week as well. I just, I really wasn't in the mood to do anything outside of be lazy, be depressed, and play some video games. So apologies, not having an episode last week. It was a probably a bad episode to skip, right? Like coming off of Grand Slam, coming off of two pretty good shows that we didn't really get the chance to talk about. I think, you know, Grand Slam, I don't know how you felt on it. I thought it was, a, it was, it was pretty good. It was definitely yeah, above yeah. average for, for ratings. Trip. Yeah, it was pretty decent. Nice surprise with Soraya debuting. Um, a lot of cool things coming out of that show. And, you know, I'm a little sad we didn't get the chance to chat about it. But we're probably not going to focus on it too much this week because we're already moving on and, you know, going into the fall season, I guess, of, of AEW content, if you want to look at it that way. On the build now to full gear, a little over a month away still, but we're going to start building up to that. We got Battle of the Belts this Friday night live for the first time ever and on a Friday night for the first time ever directly following Rampage. So might have uh, might have a good couple shows coming up. Dynamite this Wednesday night's an anniversary episode, right, from Washington, D.C. So... Hopefully uh, this week's content will be better than last week's content because holy fuck, man, last week's wasn't that good. No, no, I haven't put a star rating on it. I'll decide that as we go through it. I feel towards the end. I have have an idea of where I want to go with the star rating for this week. And, you know, there was was only one thing on Dynamite that I was a really big fan of. (laughs) But we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, Do we have anything major? to talk about at the start of the show. Anything you've seen over the past two weeks that we should probably spend a few minutes talking on? I did see that... Uh, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. If you have something, let's do it. I was, was going to say, um, I don't know if this was last week or this week, but there has been, like, to follow up on the on the Malachi Black stuff, he did put a post up on, was it, like, Instagram or something? He went live and he basically said, stop stop the rumors, stop, stop the dirt sheets, everyone stop talking shit. Um, he's just taking some time off. He will be back in AW, so... All the things about him that. asking for his release are, are just, uh, yeah, they're just rumors. They're not real. Yeah, which was which was nice to see, right? Like, and I mean, kind of sucks that he had to come out and address it again. You know, you could tell on that Instagram live that he did, he is really frustrated with all the bullshit that's been going on and being said since all of this started coming out. You could tell he never wanted any of this to come out, right? He just wanted some time off. So um, a little disappointing that he had to address it once again. Hopefully we can put this to bed now. He just is taking some time off, and I assume that he'll be back in AEW in a couple months' time. Probably same thing with Buddy Matthews. He's probably just taking some time off as well, but who knows? I heard something about Buddy Matthews and his being tied to his, like, work visa or something. Maybe he's going back to Australia to sign his work visa, and that's what that's for. But I guess that could be a potential thing, yeah. Yeah, then again, that's just the the rumors in it. Right, because I know there were people talking about, like, everybody wanting out of AEW were those that had significant others in WWE. So Buddy Matthews and Rhea Ripley, right? Malachi Black and Zelina Vega, Andrade and Charlotte. Um, there, there was rumors around going that all of these guys wanted out to head back to WWE, but I don't buy it. I really don't. Like, I'm sure there's people frustrated, right? Like people like Miro and Andrade who deserve to be used better. Even Malachi to an extent, right? Like 
these guys deserve to be used better on the AEW roster, but is it really that big of a deal? I don't think it is. Yeah, I don't know. See, the, the Andrade one has a little bit of, uh, maybe might have a little bit of truth with uh, what's coming up next week. Um, but I think, that's do, I think that's being done to troll the, the journalists and fans. I really do. Yeah, yeah, to like kind of work us, but it, it, it makes uh, makes some sort of sense. I will say I have seen this afternoon that um, FDR did a indie show last night, and after the indie show, after their match had finished, uh, Dax got on the mic and he said, uh, "Hey, TK, we still work for you. Um, we haven't had a match in months. Like, start booking us," which is uh, quite odd. Did you see this? Didn't see that. No. I did see, is that where they, they, did they defend the IWGP titles? Is that what they were, I think I, I know they were going to defend those soon. It might have been, I'm not sure what they were, what they were defending yet, but it seems they are a little, little salty, saying uh, number one contender for months had a shot at the title. Well, I also did see that the ranking system is basically going away, like... They're not putting much focus on that anymore. They're not put, putting much focus on the wins losses anymore. That whole idea is, is basically being scrapped. Well, that's fair. I'd say it, it makes sense because they don't utilize it anyway. So no, no, it was there that. when they needed it, but when they didn't, they just uh, pretended it didn't exist, didn't they? Correct. Correct. And I did see, because this Wednesday night, Dynamite is actually two hours and 15 minutes. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, Warner Brothers is allowing AEW to have an extra 15 minutes from until 10.15 Eastern time. Um, so the current speculation is that the relationship between Warner, uh, Warner Brothers, Discovery, whatever they're fucking called at this point, and AEW is actually really good right now, and that the executives within Warner's are really happy with the ratings that AEW has been pulling over the last month and a half or so. They've been consistently above a million again, so this is the right time to do that, right? Like, they're going to have to start renegotiating their deal soon. Um, I have seen there is some interest from other media partners out there that that is interested in AEW's programming on their channels as well. So, yeah, Tony Khan and, and AEW might be able to leverage that a little bit to to maybe stay with Warner, maybe get a higher deal, um, you know, get more money out of their TV contract and... Let's hope for the best. Let's hope for a streaming deal, too. Let's get Ring of Honor on the weekly show because, fuck, it needs to happen sooner rather than later. Um, Definitely not sooner. Yeah. We're, we're in for a pretty interesting year, I think, with uh, with AEW's TV contract winding down and whatever is going to come next. So we'll certainly be paying attention to that, and we'll talk about it when we need to. So. Fantastic. Yeah. But let's do the usuals. Let's start recapping Elevation and Dark from last Monday and Tuesday. We'll kick things off with Dark Elevation. This aired last Monday on September 26th. It was filmed at the Arthur Ashe Stadium in New York. So this was part of the Grand Slam festivities. ROH's announcer Ian Riccoboni was on commentary with Daddy Magic Matt Menard. And we only had two matches. This is a very, very light elevation. Probably because... Uh, Grand Slam was packed, right? On both, well, they only, they filmed it on one night and right after Dynamite, because it was a two-hour Dynamite, and then they filmed a two-hour Rampage. They probably didn't have a ton of time to record matches for Elevation, so they only had two and both of them are relatively short. We had Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford defeating Captain Sean Dean and Sky Blue in mixed tag team action. Longest match of the two matches, it was a little over five minutes. And in the main event, which was about three minutes and 22 seconds, Ortiz defeated Serpentico. Okay. 
Yeah, I would say a skippable elevation. But... Yeah, skippable yeah. elevation. Though there's really nothing going back and checking out. That's that's really worth it. I mean, it was cool to see Kip and Penelope teaming together in a mixed tag match. Um, you know, Sky Blue getting still moments to shine, even though she's still on the losing end a majority of the time. I, I do like that she's still being utilized. I just wish it was in a different capacity um, and why she's teaming with Sean Dean. I mean, I, I get that they're both from Chicago, but that doesn't make a ton of sense. Put her in there with Dante Martin. That makes more sense to me because they're boyfriend and girlfriend. But Yeah, maybe they just didn't want to give Dante the loss and then also uh, didn't want to give yeah. Kip the loss. I guess that makes sense. Know. Yeah, that makes sense. You know what? I take back what I said. Elevation is worth watching because I remember this is the elevation where they kicked off the Suicide Awareness Month. And they had Powerhouse Hobbs and Eddie Kingston spend time talking about, like, some of their struggles and battles. And Hobbs spent, like, maybe five minutes or so talking, but Eddie Kingston got over 20 minutes of airtime. And I, I really think that, you know, these guys both showed quite a bit of vulnerability and emotion in what they were talking about. So wrestling wise, skippable, but go check out Elevation for, uh, for those video packages because man, they were they were pretty pretty touching. So go check that out. Moving on to Dark from Tuesday, September 27th. This was filmed as usual at Universal Studios in Orlando, Florida. Um, it was filmed back in August actually, on August 21st. So this has been in the pipeline for over a month now. We had two, four, six, eight, ten, eleven matches. Excalibur and Taz on commentary as usual. Fuego del Sol defeated Jay Malachi. Layla Gray defeated Tierra James. Jeeves K defeated Gus de la Vega. Jeeves K is in the Huh? I think his name was VSK before, yes. But now he's Jeeves K as part of the Trust Busters. He was out there with, you know, the, the usual crew. Um, mm-hmm. Jorah Joel defeated Blake Lee. Anna JAS defeated Kelly Madan. Ryan Nemeth defeated Arjun Singh. Leon Ruffin defeated Bishop King. And Helico defeated Caleb Conley. The Renegade Twins defeated Mila Moore and Milo. Hmm, Mila Moore and Milo. Okay. Nick Camarado defeated Shaheem Ali. And in the main event, almost 10 minutes, Dante Martin defeated Anthony Henry. Longest match of the show. And I started watching Dark. I started it, but I didn't finish it. I got about halfway through and realized this is one that I could skip. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you thought it was worth watching, but yeah, probably not. Nope, I don't think it was. I do not think it was, but... You know, some people might have, but I didn't. I didn't. Let's move on to Dynamite. Let's get into the thick of things. We have a lot to discuss, especially coming off of Grand Slam since we didn't talk about that. Uh, this was at the like Karis Center in Philadelphia, PA, and you know the home of ECW, so they relied a little bit on that, especially on Rampage and Ring of Honor was pretty prevalent in this area as well, which is why... There were so much focus, I think, on Ring of Honor stuff on these two shows. So, I mean, they definitely were trying to appeal to the crowd. Um, 
you and I decided to lump a few things together. Well, you made the decision and I just followed along. We <laughs> decided to rank six things lumping in the Jericho Appreciation Society celebration with the Brian Danielson and Matt Menard match and lumping together the in-ring promo with Soraya and the women's division with Tony Storm taking on Serena Deeb in a lumberjack match for the women's title. So those were lumped together. So all in all, we have six things that we'd put through the old ranking system for Dynamite. Since I have the segments, right? I have Hook of the Week. I have Burial Ground. I have Theme Song Later. I'm taking the lows. You'll take the highs. We'll flop for, uh, or flop, flip for Rampage. I always do that for some reason. I always want to call it a flop, but it's a flip. We'll flip for Rampage. You'll take the lows. I'll take the highs for that. And yeah, I think that's about everything we need to go over. Are you ready to do this? Yeah, sounds good. All right, so we'll start with the lows as usual. I'll kick things off with my number six, which was a quick squash match between Ricky Starks and Eli Eason. Where'd you have that ranked at? I had that at six, because there's no place else it should go. Correct, yeah, definitely the bottom of the excitement barrel for me in terms of what else we had on this show. And again, as I said at the beginning, I I do not think this episode of Dynamite was that strong. It did dip under a million, and that didn't surprise me. I think it was like 990,000, which is still fucking great, but it did finally dip under a million again, and and that didn't shock me based on the card that we saw and everything that we had last Wednesday. But um, this was 51 seconds, according to ProWrestlingFandom.com. It was nothing really to write home about, right? Ricky Starks hit a spear, followed it up with a Rochambeau, and that was basically it. Eli Isom, is that his name? Pretty sure that's his name, yep. Uh, He is a former Ring of Honor competitor, so again, they were utilizing and leaning on some Ring of Honor talent in the Philadelphia crowd since they were hoping that um, the fans would recognize him because Ring of Honor used to run a lot of shows in Philly, so... Um, but you know, this wasn't anything great. No, um, I think the best part of this match was uh, how energetic Ricky Starks was to get that pin. He kind of like bounced on the ring, didn't he? He did. And they did another like video package before his entrance as well. Yeah, I think I must have missed that bit. Um, yeah, he did get a video package entrance for Rampage last week, which was really really cool. He did. But yeah, this was this was a this was an unnecessary squash match. Like the, nothing happened after it. Nothing yeah, Hobbs didn't come it. down right. Like it really didn't feel like it was building Starks toward anything. So I don't quite get it. I mean really it was only done to put him on dynamite right like just to get him out there in front of the crowd but there's better ways to do that yeah i think tk might have heard us complain about Hobbs squash matches constantly so he's gone oh, fuck it you don't want Hobbs. i'll give you start squash matches instead then well the fact that they're calling wardlow and samoa joe war joe after you said <laughs> it i'm convinced somebody's listening I, I did think it's quite sus but wardlow and joe mashed together i don't think it's that hard of a hard of a thing to come up with so i might have just been one person who thought of it as well but yeah yeah let the record state that i said it that it went to air mm. for on the monday there has been some used. other things that makes me think someone's listening. And I and I fully say, like, if we say something that's a good idea, fucking take it. I don't <laughs> care. I'm not going to get all pissy and upset that, you know, we had an idea and you guys used it. If we say something that's good, especially if we think it's a good idea, fucking run with it. <laughs> we'll book your shows from afar. Yeah, yeah. I will, uh, under those circumstances... Just don't call a stable typo negative. <laughs> I will under no circumstance come after AEW for using my ideas. 
Um, but yeah, yeah, if I say something they want to use, go for it. You can use the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, though. I think that's a good one. Oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> yes. All right, man. Hit us with my hit us with your number one. Hopefully, it's the same as mine because there's only one thing that should be number one this past Wednesday. There's only one thing that should be number one this week, and that's going to be the Bandito versus Jericho match. Absolutely, my number one as well. Chris Jericho taking on Bandito for the Ring of Honor World Title. Holy fuck, man! Jericho <laughs> looked amazing in this match, but Bandito looked even better. Like, it's amazing to me. Now, again, I understand Bandito is a big name in terms of the indie scene and Ring of Honor. And again, they're in Philly, a city that has a lot of ties to Ring of Honor. So this crowd definitely knew to an extent who Bandito was. But this is the very first time Bandito has been on AEW in a main spot in front of a live crowd. And he felt like a mega star. Right. Like these fans were 100 percent behind him, chanting his name. He saved. Well, Jericho and Bandito. I'm going to give Jericho a lot of credit as well. These guys saved what was at that point a very subpar dynamite for me. I will start say, by saying uh, I liked Bandito's little hat thing. I like this sort of. I know uh, you did. It's like it's, it's massive, almost sort of like plague doctor-ish. It is. But it's obviously yeah. not. It's meant, meant to be like a highwayman cowboy sort of thing. Um, I did have issue with how much he was adjusting adjusting it. Like, Well, he was I... bleeding from under his mask, which was a dope like visual, right? Like the blood mm-hmm. bleeding through his mask and kind of bleeding red down it. Like that was really cool looking. Yeah, but for someone who's wrestled as Bandito, not me, I didn't wrestle as Bandito. Bandito's wrestled as Bandito for a oh, while. You, you mean you haven't? You, you're not Bandito? No, no, well, unfortunately not. Um, but yeah, I thought he would have been more comfortable in his attire. He looked um, like he was adjusting his mask constantly. But that doesn't necessarily take away from how well he shined in this match and how well he worked with Jericho. Um, yeah. There were some really, really cool spots, weren't they? There was that like, super long delayed suplex thing. I forgot how long they went for. And it was like 45 seconds or something. And he was like literally shaking in the middle of the But it was a cool spot. It was a very cool spot holding Jericho up in a vertical suplex like that for so long. I know the commentary was saying he had hit a minute. I don't know that he quite hit a minute, but this was a, a really cool spot. Bandito got to pull off a lot of his signature moves that he does, right? Like we had the fall away moonsault uh, slam from the top yep. rope, which was really fucking cool looking. We had the, uh, uh, what does he call his finisher? The, tw- the 21 plex or whatever. Yeah, yeah, the he, little like, bounce over the rope thing. He kind of yeah, rolls back. He, yeah. Guys basically set up in, in kind of like a, a makeshift 619 situation and Bandito kind of does like a silly string almost, like a private party silly mm-hmm. string over the rope and then goes back into a German suplex. Cool fucking spot, dude. And I did see like after Dynamite went off the air, Tony Khan came out and, you know, kind of shook Bandito's hand. Bandito gave Tony Khan like a massive hug. You know, Tony yeah. Khan probably loved that because he gets all into that shit. He um, loves the hugs. <laughs> he loves the hugs and he loves celebrating with the talent. But I did see that uh, it hasn't been confirmed yet, but it certainly seems like Bandito was offered a contract on the spot after this performance. And rightfully so. It's long overdue. He should have been offered a contract a fucking long time ago. 
yeah, so before we get to the contract part, um, I did really like Bandido's frog splash. He did a really nice frog splash. He did a great like, frog splash. It was like to the, to the side almost. We didn't jump forward. But yeah, he sort of like did this sideways um, frog splash. And it, was, it was picture perfect, to be fair. I thought that was super cool. But yeah, they, also, they, they offered Bandido a contract. But then also on the same night, announced that Roosh had signed. Roosh had they, signed, they, yeah. Mm-hmm. Roosh is now All Elite. Um, I was just under the assumption that he was All Elite already. Uh, I was too. That was that was quite odd that it took them that long to get him to sign. Like he's been featured quite heavily on uh, AEW programming for a while now. But, I yeah, think hopefully... Bandito after this performance, though, I really hope they don't shuffle him into uh, the what do they call their faction? L Lo- Los. Something. The, um, something Mark something, Henry something. did it for us, didn't he? On the uh, rampage, had it written down. Yeah, he went le faction in go na burlesque. Let <laughs> it really go. Yeah, LFI, Le Faction and Gubler Nobles. I hope that they do not put him with Andrade and Roosh because he is a megastar already, really over with the fans, really over with the crowd. After just one performance, he could be a mega face for AEW. Yeah, I think if he goes in LFI, he will be the Ray Ray Phoenix of that group, wouldn't he? He'll be the one that takes all the pins. Which is unfortunate. Yeah, which is unfortunate. I would like to see Bandito. We'd like to see Bandito versus Ray Phoenix, to be fair. That'd be quite nice if we could set that one up next to TK. Would be a great match. Would be a hell Mm -hmm. of a match. Um, we since we didn't talk about Grand Slam, obviously Jericho being the ROH World Champion after defeating Claudio for the title and becoming the Ocho. I don't hate this, and I'm gonna tell you why. I think Chris Jericho being the Ring of Honor World Champion makes that title and that brand more significant. And Tony yeah. Khan, while trying to get some sort of TV deal for Ring of Honor, is going to lean on Chris Jericho to try to do that. Right, like. Chris Jericho is our world champion for this brand. We need a we need a TV deal. We need some sort of weekly programming to feature this shit. So I think that's one of the big reasons why they did that. But also, Chris Jericho has reinvented himself once again. Like, I don't know how he does it. And he always makes it work. Yeah, he's just got that secret sauce, and he, I think Paul called him like the fountain of youth. Um, he seems to be able to bring up new ideas and get things over. He got that over, he got a list over, he got, you know what I mean? It's Chris Jericho, he can pretty much get anything over. Um, it's incredible. He's literally one of the greatest of all times. Yeah, I will say when we made the predictions the other week for the Glam Sound results, pretty sure we both said, like, why would you put the title on Jericho? There's no real need to do this. Um, I did state that they don't tend to give Jericho losses two weeks in a row. Um, but yeah, it didn't really make sense to put the belt on Jericho. But now it's on him um, and I know what people have said I kind of understand why it's being done now yeah I don't hate it yeah I don't hate it either so Hell of a performance, and if we keep getting shit like that, I'm I'm sold right now, man. I'm absolutely sold on this. So good shit, really good shit. Um, going back to me, my number five, taking the lows still. Five for me was the in-ring promo between Wheeler Utah and MJF. Okay, that was number four for me. Okay, okay, okay. Um, I had this at number five. You know, I do like MJF. But man, is Wheeler Utah not good on the mic? I heard a lot of people saying online they were like, "Oh, it was a terrible promo from you." I didn't think it was that bad. Like I, I saw the stuff online before I actually watched it, so I was expecting to go in um, and see him really fuck it up. But he didn't, to be honest. It was okay. I think what bothered me most about this segment was that it was basically the same thing that we had two weeks ago on Grand Slam, right? Like they still did the same shit. They still 
Um, they they followed the same lines. They basically said the same stuff that they were saying on the entrance ramp when MJF pushed over Tony Schiavone. Um, it was it was basically just a continuation of that. And MJF had some great lines. He always does, right? Saying that Wheeler Utah had about as much charisma as current day Joe Frazier. And oh, by the way, Joe Frazier's dead. <laughs> I thought was amazing, just kind of, you know, saying Wheeler Utah has no charisma, basically. Um, I, I thought that was entertaining, but I, I really, I'm not excited. Like, I'm excited that we're getting an MJF match this Wednesday night on the Dynamite anniversary episode, but I'm not excited that it's MJF and Wheeler Utah. I like Wheeler Utah. I think he's a great wrestler. But when they utilize him and lean on him to carry a storyline on the microphone, especially against someone like MJF, who is by far the best person in wrestling on a microphone right now, you're setting that other person up for failure. And I think really Utah is literally just set up for failure. Now, Utah had a little bit of the hometown spark behind him, right? Because he's from Philadelphia. So he wasn't getting booed as much as he probably would have in any other city. Like, look at New York and how, and, and granted, I guess MJF is, he's not really from New York. He's from Long Island, but still close enough that you can consider it a hometown crowd for MJF last two weeks ago. But I'll be curious to see how the crowd reacts in Washington, D.C. this Wednesday night. I have a feeling it's going to be 90% toward MJF. They even released a shirt calling everybody his devil worshippers now. Like, they know that the crowd is just going to be behind MJF at this point. Yeah, he's got everyone eating at arms hands. Um, I haven't really got more, more to add to that because you took everything I got in my notes. But yeah, um, <laughs> you, uh, <laughs> you is essentially being fed to the wolves, isn't he? Like, you put him up against MJF and he is going to look bad. Um, but yeah, he, he was all right, to be fair. He was better than some other promos we had tonight. <sighs> Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. I ranked the other one a little bit higher. <laughs> Why? It's number two on your list. Number two on my list is not that promo. It's, uh, it's Mock vs. Juice. Okay, I had that at number three. Okay, okay. Um, do you know what? I think I think it did all right. It was a, there was a gnarly spot with uh, Juice doing like a senton to the outside. That was pretty cool. Um, it was a funny little like lariat off. That was cool. This was actually a a really entertaining match and kind of, I know this is only the first time we've seen it in AEW, but a rubber match for the guys because they have wrestled twice so far in New Japan Pro Wrestling and Juice has gotten the victory both times. Yes, you mentioned that on commentary, didn't they? I think it wasn't that title during the uh, the NJPW US title. Yes, it was. Yeah, and then they were also making, uh, they make a big noise about Juice being a free agent. Juice is a free agent right now. Juice is a free agent, and supposedly Tony Khan is very interested. Which, granted, makes a lot of sense because Juice and Tony Storm are a couple. Yeah, see, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate Juice coming over. To be fair, he was, he was all right. He's part of the Bullet Club now, isn't he? Or is the Bullet Club still going? Was Bullet Club is still going, and I mean his music was Bullet Club related, but I don't know that now that he's a free agent, if he would really still be considered part of the Bullet Club. Because uh, I know there was some stuff with uh, like Tomo Tongo kick JYI or something at the latest NJPW thing. Something I, like I, that. I Hikaleu turned his back on Bullet Club and aligned with Tamatanga. Yeah, yeah. Then there is also uh, Impact have still got their kind of um, their Bullet Club version going on. Uh, pretty Everybody sure Juice was in that. Club. Yeah, it was Juice, uh, Chris Bay, 
you know what? I can't remember who the last guy is in it, but apparently the Good Brothers, uh, like their impact contract is up now, and they are essentially free agents. So they've gone, they've gone to Japan until like January or February, and then Something they've like got that. nothing planned after that. I thought they kind of want to go back to WWE, but I don't know that Hunter yeah, they will. them. Well, that's what they want, from what I've seen. Okay. See, I know when they when they left WWE, we talked about them going to AEW, and I said kind of like go and go and sit in Impact for a while or something until until we actually need you. But I don't think I don't really think there's space for the Good Brothers to be honest. I don't, I don't think I want them in AEW. I don't either. I mean, they don't really add a lot, so. Um, you know, there were some funny moments when they were partnered up with the elite and, you know, their backstage shenanigans, especially on being the elite. But outside of that, there really isn't much point for them to be there. So um, this was an eliminator match, though. So if Juice Robinson would have beaten Mox, he would have been able to get a title shot in D.C. this Wednesday night. But he did not. Right. Moxley did get the victory, um, which brought out Hangman Page to kind of build up toward their title match in Cincinnati in like three weeks, two weeks, something like that. Yeah, pink man had pink man out of page. He came down in his flowery jeans. Dolly yeah, he had, he, had, <laughs> he had he had some, it wasn't butterfly pants this time, it was something else on his pants, right? Yeah, they were like flowers or something, but yeah, he was very, yeah, very feminine. Very uh, 70s, you could say. Flower mm-hmm. child, something yeah. like that. And uh, MJF was sitting up in the skybox teasing his cash-in of the chip, and then he got attacked by Wheeler Utah, and they fucking brawled on a row of fans, which I thought was kind of entertaining. <laughs> Yeah, that looked that look like it'd be quite painful to be fair to be like pushed down over a set of chairs while you're trying to scrap. Yeah. Um, yeah, that I thought the luxury boxes were like that a bit higher, but they were obviously like right in front of the crowd, yeah. right behind the crowd. Yeah, not not that high up. No, not very luxury either. It looked like an unfinished apartment, sort of. Yeah, mm-hmm. with a wall missing, but yeah, it was okay. It was one of the better matches of the night. Yeah. I agree with that. I mean, it was definitely the second match that I had ranked in terms of the rankings. I just had something else in between the main event and the Mox juice match. So uh, not a match, though. Not a match. And with that being said, we have two segments left. We are through the matches already. Well, I guess technically not. Like we have two segments and two matches lumped together here. So I have my number two and four left. What do you have left? My number three and my number five. Okay. So I'm going to hit you with your number five, which was my number four. And that was the in-ring promo with Soraya and <laughs> the, or Soraya, as as they're saying it, um, which I guess is the right way to say it, and the women's division. And then the match that immediately followed that, which was for the AEW women's title and a Lumberjack, not Lumberjill match, Tony Storm defending against Serena Deeb. Um, I had this ranked above Wheeler Utah and MJF because we were lumping in the Tony Storm Serena Deep match with it. But so, if you hadn't have lumped the matches together, would you have put this promo below the UMJF? Yeah, MJF? Yeah, cool, cool. I would have. I would have. But because, um, and I initially had eight segments because I had the two things that we lumped together as their own stuff. And I had to redo my rankings right before we started. And I, I put this one a little higher because of the match that immediately followed it up. Now, I will say, say what you want about Soraya. I am so happy that she's in AEW. I, I was a big fan of what was then Paige in NXT and WWE. She was definitely one of my favorites. Uh, I wasn't really familiar with her before the NXT era. Um, you know, she was kind of a, an indie darling over in your neck of the woods there for a while. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I really didn't know who she was when she kind of broke into the scene in WWE. She was still really young, right? She was like 18 or 19 years old and she's still only like 30 from what I understand. So, um, you know, she was, she was relatively young, but I liked her look, right? I like that dark hairstyle, the dark makeup, the kind of goth look. I'm, that's always been something that I gravitate toward and her in-ring style. I, I really appreciated that as well. But obviously shit happens, right? Um, she's been through a lot with everything that's happened to her through her personal life and the leaks and then the injury to her neck from Sasha at a house show somewhere. Like, she's been through a lot. So when she was a surprise debut at Grand Slam, I was really, really happy with the pop and the ovation that she received. Like, it was massive. It was massive. And I think Soraya being in AEW does add a lot of legitimacy now to that women's division because you look at who we had in the women's division up to this point, and and this can even be kind of stated more so by who they brought out when they said, let's bring out the women's division, right? Like, Soraya's on the mic, and I will say her her promo really wasn't that great. You can tell that she's used to having somebody write her promos for her. I mean, that was the WWE way, so giving her free reign to say whatever she wants on a microphone, she needs time to make things <laughs> click. She needs time to really figure out her own way of doing things because they don't have writers in AEW. Um, but... They come out, right? Like a lot of a lot of names missing, but like out of the face tunnel you get who'd you get? You got Athena, you got uh Sky Blue, you got Madison Rain, you got uh Tony Storm Willow Nightingale. Tony Storm and Willow Nightingale, thank you. And then out of the heel tunnel was Britt Baker, Jamie Hayter, Rebel, um Ford. Penelope Ford and Somebody else? Was there somebody Deeb else? Deeb came out afterwards. Deeb came out after, yeah. So, like, you were missing, you know, like the Ty Mello and Anna JAS from, from the Jericho Appreciation Society. They weren't out there. Abaddon, nowhere to be seen. The Bunny, nowhere to be seen. All of your Japanese talent in Hikaru Shida, Emi Sakura, Yuka Sakazaki, like, none of them were anywhere. Nyla Rose, Marina Shafir, nowhere. Paige Van Zant is fucking gone now that American Top Team is no not around anymore. Uh, the baddies weren't out there. Like, there were still a lot of women that weren't out there. But the ones that were, like, not super high-profile names and not ones that are currently involved in, like, these big storylines outside of Brit, outside of Tony, outside of Serena Deeb. And now, to an extent, Jamie Hader. No, so I will just interject that um, this is the week that didn't they have like a big tornado or something. TK they put had up a, a hurricane. Post. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. TK put up a post. A lot of people bashed him, saying, "Oh, he's just trying to get some good publicity," but basically telling all his staff that if you want to stay home because of the hurricane, you don't have to come into work this week. But there could have been quite a few women on the roster who just stayed at home, and didn't turn up. That's why we got who we got. Correct. Correct. No, that is that is a hundred percent true. But looking through the women's roster and the names that we have, right, like talking about your household names that a casual fan is going to recognize, there's only one, and it's Paige, Soraya. Yeah, I suppose 
Even like Britt Baker, the only reason she's so popular now is because of AEW. She was relatively unknown before AEW, and now she's kind of a household name, right? Like, she's made a big name and a big star out of herself in AEW, but was doing absolutely nothing before that. So your casual audience is going to really latch on to Soraya at this point. And I feel like it could help bolster that women's division, especially if she's cleared to wrestle. We still don't know if she is. And by the looks of things, I don't think she is. No, I don't think she is either. Um, I'm kind of on the fence. Like, I understand if she's a household name. She was on Total Divas for fuck's sake, dude. Like... I get that that show's stupid as fuck, but... No credibility there. No credibility for people like us, but a lot of credibility for the female audience of professional wrestling. My ex, Jessica, loved Total Divas. And, like, her mom, who wasn't even a wrestling fan, and her brother's girlfriend, who knows nothing about wrestling enjoyed the hell out of Total Divas and knew who those girls were on Total Divas and what they did in WWE. So for a large portion of an audience that is not us, but is still out there, Total Divas was a, a like an entryway into professional wrestling. Yeah, okay. But I don't necessarily want TK to book stuff geared towards pleasing the people who watch Total Divas. I want him to book matches geared towards people who he enjoy de- wrestling. He needs to book toward getting more eyes on his product, and whatever that takes is what he needs to do. I don't know. This just has me a little sorry, to be fair. I'm not a massive fan of Soraya. I am. I, I know I said that, like, I, I marked the hell out. Like, I watched her entrance from Grand Slam probably 50 to 100 times. was so cool to see. Um, I'm glad she's there. Like, does she need work on the mic? 100%. Like, yeah. she needs to find her, like I said, find her footing, find her way in the land of non-scripted promos. She'll get there. Like, she's talented. She's a talented individual. She will get there. And the fact that they get to utilize a Falling in Reverse song because she's basically engaged to Ronnie Radke, the lead singer of Falling in Reverse, the ex-lead singer of Escape the Fate. Like, now that we have that theme, dude, that's pretty fucking cool in my book. Uh, everyone, yeah, everyone's entitled to their own opinions about um, Soraya and uh, Ronnie Radke. But let's just say, for, for my personal opinion, I'd much rather this division was not built around Soraya. Um, I love, I love in this promo where we got um, BMD, D, Penelope Ford, Rebel, and Jamie Hayer all stood as like I would say like a five some on the entrance ramp, and they all sort of like stood next to each other. And we got that little graphic. That little graphic was absolutely awesome. To be fair, it was cool. Um, and I like the fact that when they were talking about Britt was talking about Deep, she was like, "Oh, Deep's gonna come out, and she's gonna sort of like um, she's gonna you or whatever." And the crowd just decided to start popping for Hater. They started chanting for Hater, which was really cool. Um, which like, let's let's be fair, man. I am so happy that Jamie Hater is one of the biggest stars in the women's division now. Like. I've been a fan of hers since the very beginning. I've always loved her look. I think she's incredible. Like, you know how much I love Jamie Hayter. And now that she is consistently getting pops from the crowd, getting chants of her name, like, we even saw that on Rampage, right? Like, they really set Willow Nightingale, Willow Nightingale up for failure, putting her in the ring with Jamie Hayter. But, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm so happy about this. And really, I, I'm hoping... 
it eventually leads to her capturing a title, whether it's the TBS or, or women's title, hopefully the women's title, and splitting from, from Britt Baker and becoming a face because she would be such a mega face for this division, dude. Yeah, I don't necessarily think she needs to be face. I think she might be able to take the title and still stick with Britt Baker. I think the, the bad guys, the, the bad guys part of the women's division is much stronger than the good guys part. But yeah, I'd rather this I'd rather this division was built around, like you said, Britt Baker. She wasn't relatively known when she came in. Like she's been champion. Like Hater deserves to be champion next, essentially. And she sort of built herself up in this in this place. Um, but I don't really want it on people like Tony Storm. I know Tony Storm wasn't that massive of a deal, but she was a like an ex WWE star, and that's probably why one of the only reasons why she's got title. And I really wish it was that way. And I, I, you know, I do not hate Tony Storm as much as you do. I think Tony Storm is an incredible talent, a fantastic wrestler. I was, you know, super excited when she showed up for the Mae Young Classic back in the day and is getting some time to shine and a time to run as a major champion for a major promotion. The match with Serena Deeb was actually really fucking good, dude. Like, they did some really cool spots, like that top rope uh, pile driver, right? Like, that looked vicious, oh, man. Zero, yeah. yeah, the Storm Zero off the top. That looked vicious as hell. And like, I don't, I don't care if uh, the people listening to this want to call me fickle. Um, I know myself, I'm very, like, flip-floppy on talent. Um, I think maybe one of the reasons I dislike Tony Storm so much is because she was uh, associated with Thunder Rosa. Um, okay. I know, she, I know she's, not, she's not terrible, and I will give a props to her because I personally don't like Soraya. Um, when Soraya was trying to get her the thought of like I'm going to stand next but she sort of like put her nose up and wagged her finger and she was like no, I don't want anything to fucking do with you like, I was like very good Tony very good I like it you've, uh, you've, you've gone up in my estimation <laughs> stay away from that well, yeah but that was that that was that that was that don't really have much else to say on the match though um, like I said, it was a fairly entertaining match. It was it was good for what it was, but um definitely a lumber chill match though. And even Tara Absolutely. Said when she sat down, he was like, Oh, when when she sat down, she was like, Oh, my name's pronounced Soraya and they were like, Yeah, we've just done that bit. Soraya. And oh, whatever, I don't care. And then they all laughed and then there was an awkward silence and then Taz was like, Oh, I'm pretty sure it's called a lumber chill match if you want to be PC. She and she like, said, No, we're she said, No, we're gonna we're we're gonna just stay with Lumberjack or whatever. Yeah, Lumberjack, it's all inclusive. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. I mean, even in the promo, she was like, oh, we're going to have a lumberjack match. And the crowd, like, did nothing. And then she was like, but the title, the crowd's still doing nothing. And she did make a, a snide comment about having a boss that listens to her now. Yeah, and I, I don't really get, I don't, that, like, irked me. Like, yeah, Vince, Vince McMahon, we all know, is a, is a scummy fucking man. But mm -hmm. she was one of the people in WWE who probably got far more than she deserved. Like, they supported her through injury, like, through lots of other things. I'm pretty sure she had multiple, like, what's what's it? Um, they failed at drug test and stuff. Oh, the wellness policy. Yeah, wellness yeah, policy yeah. failures. Yeah, yeah, multiple, yeah. Multiple of those. She, like, obviously the scandal with what she did to the women's NXT belt. And, like, she, they still kept her around. She won, like, the women's title the first night on raw like all this stuff she didn't have a movie made about her like she's one of the biggest women's wrestlers like wwe have pushed for a long long time and for her to go to AEW and say oh my boss didn't listen to me it's kind of like no, so you're, hit, you're hitting on a lot of things there that i think is a big reason that she's really going to bolster that women's division she was one of the biggest women stars to come out of wwe yeah yeah she was she was one of the biggest women's stars to come out of wwe but there's a lot of controversy and now it seems like with a chip on her shoulder is she didn't feel like she got as much as she did she Hey, everybody feels like they deserve more. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is true. I feel like I deserve more. Not getting it, though. 
Oh, man. All right. Well, we got one left, uh, and that is my number two. Where'd you have this one at? Number three. What was that? That is the JAS Celebration, including the Daniel Bryan Daddy Magic match. Bryan Danielson. Yeah. I I love this, actually. I thought this was a, a really fun way to kick off Dynamite because Luigi Primo was back, baby. He making the best pizza. <laughs> Flavor of the week, Luigi Primo. Yeah, yeah, he was a. Uh, like, um, I don't know why Daniel Garcia had to hit him. That was a bit uncalled for. Like he was and, the one I. And he sold the hell out of that. He stayed down for like ten minutes afterward. <laughs> <laughs> It was amazing. Crowd chanting, we want pizza. And Jericho's like, oh, you guys want pizza? No, you're not getting any you're pizza. Getting any. <laughs> Dude, this whole entire segment was just glorious, man. It was amazing. Them all wearing their fucking purple silk suits. I thought it was a nice yeah, touch. Yeah, they were cool. They were very, very cool. Um, I did. I got to give props to Daddy Magic when Jericho gave Garcia the gift. Like, obviously, Daddy Magic wasn't on the mic, but you could hear you could hear him in the background being like, "What a guy! What a guy! What a guy! Yeah. Put put the hat on! <laughs> put it on!" <laughs> what a fantastic voice! I love I love hearing him talk. Um, but yeah, obviously, Garcia threw it down, and, and Daniel Bryan came out, and um. Really yeah, still feels like they're building toward a split. Yeah, it does. And Daniel, uh, Brian Danielson said, oh, you can come join the uh, Blackpool Combat Club. And I was like, wait, where did that come from? That's not that's not been on the thing before. And then when uh, Regal was on commentary, they were asking him about uh, Garcia joining the Blackpool Combat Club. And he was like, oh, no, I'd rather, I'd rather Garcia stay an enemy because we need people to fight. So I don't but know he did say, it, to be fair, it is up to Garcia, right? He's like, he can do what he wants. If he wants to join, he can. But I would prefer to have him on the other side to make the BCC better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did like that we got this as a the Daddy Magic, Brian Danielson. I did like we got it as an impromptu match. Like we don't seem to get many of those. Yeah, I did um, too. On AEW, always tends to be, um, oh, you want a match? There tends to be MJF though. You want a match? No, you're not getting it. I'm not doing it in this shithole time. You have to wait till next week. Um, so it's nice that we actually got the match. Um, Great. Oh, yeah. And it uh, was uh, it was an it was a pretty decent match too. Like Daddy Magic actually looked pretty strong in there against Danielson, right? Had a lot of offense, pretty much yeah, dominated yeah. as expected through the picture in picture, as the heels usually do. But um yeah, I, I didn't hate this at all. Yeah, considering they um he got squashed by Action Bronson and the hook like a week ago. He did uh, much better than I was expecting to. In this one, you know, we did get a nice little spot with uh Claudio coming down and uh with a massive uppercut to uh cool hand and then sort of like he picked him up and carried him away. Amazing. Oh, with him, like he's taking him to New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> sports entertainment definitely yeah i enjoyed the hell out of that i thought that was hilarious uh and i'm really looking forward to seeing what they do this wednesday night now that we know it's going to be danielson and garcia taking on jericho and sammy guevara very very interesting match this needs to be the birth of brian daniel garcia son oh okay that's a, that's a mega stretch to get that in but yeah his, his name does fit right in the middle of uh, brian danielson it does let's make it happen tk <laughs> that happens you know they're listening no one else would have thought of something stupid like that yeah yeah it's got the sad stupidness all over on it <laughs> oh man uh, yeah, I really liked the main event. I really liked the opening, but everything else kind of in the middle. You know, Mox and Juice was pretty good, but there was a lot of things that fell flat for me. Um, because of the main event, I'm able to bump this up to three stars of a dynamite. But before the main event, I was really sitting at a two or two and a half. So I'm going three stars. Yep, I've got three stars. I've written three stars on my notes like 30 seconds ago. I'm happy to sit there. Sounds good. All right. Well, that's where we'll stay. 
Let's move on to Rampage. You and I ranked five things. Uh, you'll take the lows for this. I'll take the highs. Kick me off with your number five. Number five for Rampage is going to be Lee Moriarty versus Fuego Del Sol. I have that at number five as well. Yeah, this was very much a, a nothing of a nothing sort of thing again. Um, there was some like... Less yeah, than two minutes, forward. about a minute, 56 seconds according to Pro Wrestling Fandom. Definitely a... Not a squash match, but may as well have been. Yeah, it was it was near enough there, wasn't it? Um, I say it had more, had more relevance than the Ricky Stark squash match, but it did. There was there was still not much here. Uh, we get a nice like you call it like an arm capture suplex or whatever. Um, yeah, Lee Moriarty's actually really good, dude. Like he's a great technical wrestler. He's actually really good, and I'm I'm hopeful that his partnership in the firm now is going to elevate him more than you know when he was palling around with Matt Seidel. Um, hopefully, we will see him kind of elevate into a, a mid card star. You know, Stokely's great, and man, is it just cool seeing Morrissey out there? Just a big fucking dude. Massive yeah. choke slam on the Fuego after that match. Matt Seidel high on life, low on the card. Yeah, don't want anyone right him. But I mean, Dante's still with him. Yeah, is he? I haven't seen Dante for a while. Where's Dante gone? We didn't see Jake Hager in the um, the JAS celebration. Is he off doing he some MMA stuff? But what if he was either MMA or I wonder if he was one of the ones that maybe was affected by the hurricane? I don't know. Yeah, but I was going to say he is rock hard, isn't he? But no, Juice has taken that. Juice, Juice is, rock is the rock hard one now. Yeah. Juice is rock hard, not Hager anymore. Hager's, uh, you know, not, not hard enough. What do you, to what do you guys call it? A brew, a, a brew flopper or something like that? A, bre- a brewer's troop because um, brewer, brewer's troop, brewer's troop. Yeah. Jake Hager. <laughs> yeah, the brewer spends all day testing his beer, so by the time he gets home, he uh, bunk it up with a brewer's troop. <laughs> Whiskey dick, to be fair. For, I was going to say, for those of you in the U.S., same thing as Whiskey Dick. Although, calling him Whiskey Dick Jake Hager would be pretty fucking cool, too. Yeah, sure. I, I wouldn't hate that. Justin Roberts announced him as Whiskey Dick Jake Hager, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So good. Huh? Oh, yeah. All right. Well, uh, number one on my list. You may be surprised in this, but you may not be. I don't usually rank this high, but uh, number one for me, I'm going with Jamie Hader and Willow Nightingale. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Um, no, I've got it number three on my list, to be fair. Lovely, you got it number one. I, uh, you know, I, I, like I said a few minutes ago, I am a massive fan of Jamie Hader. Also, pretty big of a fan of Willow Nightingale. I, I like her personality. I like her persona. I, you know, I like how bubbly and entertaining she is in the ring. These two girls are are definitely two of the strongest, I think, that they have in the women's division, right? In terms of upper body mm-hmm. strength and just being powerful females. I mean, you know, Jade Cargill's probably the only other one out there that that would be stronger than them, maybe. But um, I thought this was a relatively entertaining match between the two girls. Um, You know, they gave it a a decent amount of time at over seven minutes, so it wasn't short by any means. Uh, Majority of the crowd seemed to be leaning toward Jamie Hayter, but there was still several that were going, you know, let's go Willow in in between the Jamie Hayter chants. So it was kind of split, but not a 50-50 split. Um, This was an entertaining match. I enjoyed this. I'm glad that Jamie Hayter picked up the victory. Like I said earlier, I do think they were setting Willow up to not necessarily fail, but definitely not come off as, as entertaining or as big of a star as she could be when she's in there with somebody else that isn't so beloved by the fans right now. Um, I just, I want to keep seeing Jamie rise, dude. I want to see her rise up the ranks. I want to see her fucking climb into that title picture again. And I just want to see the strap on her, man. I want to see her get that title. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was very much like a strong girl, versus strong girl match. Um, really cool. 
I can't wait for Chris Statler to come back. I'd like Ooh, to see Chris yeah. Statler and uh, Jamie Hayter. I know they like, World Night Girls strong as well, isn't she? Um, so I think they could do some great stuff together. Um, and then we've got some Brit Brit being a bit dastardly, which was pretty cool. We've got the big pants, like, all of bit are doing that big pants. And then we've got a big old German suplex as well, which was great. Um, so, yeah, I, I didn't hate this match. And it's nice to see Hayter come out on top. Yeah, really, absolutely. really is. Absolutely. Yeah, I thought it was entertaining. I think I had the most fun watching this match on Rampage. And, and I didn't watch Rampage live. I didn't watch it till pretty late in the day yesterday um i sat down and watched the replay so i think i had the most fun with this one um turn back to me with my low number four uh, yep number four number four on my list is gonna be the hook ryan nemeth segment that's number four on my list as well um yeah so i said they were in philadelphia so nemeth was going off on the extremely crappy wrestling sort of thing and hook i'm so tired down. of that that's so overplayed yeah. and overused. I'm so tired of that. I love ECW. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at the end of all of our episodes, I have an ECW chant after theme song of the you week. Do, yeah, I love it's always ECW. there. Yeah, I thought. I think the only real cool thing about this was the visual of like Hook still keeping his hoodie on when yeah. he was doing like um, when he's doing like the cross uh, cross face strikes and stuff. He did do like a did a big clothesline. Did with they call it a Yuji Gamami or something like Yuji Katani like or something like that. Yeah, yeah, just like a judo throw in it. Um, but yeah, then Hook left and V VSA. What's he called now? V V V's the Butler. V's Something like that, yeah. Veeves K, the butler. Um, Veeves K, with... that's what it is. Ask Jeeves. Ask Jeeves, ask Veeves. Yeah, I'm going to struggle with that one. Um, yeah, it comes out with a little note for Hook on a silver platter. Accompanied by Aria Davari and Sunny Kiss. Um, where's Slim J? Where's Parker Bordereau? I'm not sure. But Hook picks up this thing, this note, and then sticks it in his pocket and walks off. My God, I hope he doesn't join the Trustbusters. <laughs> yeah, right. Like he, he broke out of the, the team pass thing. Um, yeah, let's not put him in another stable because, yeah, I don't know. Why would you do that? Maybe this is going to be his feud. Like Maybe, you know, him, and, him and Parker would actually be a pretty entertaining match. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, think, I think him and Slim J would be a pretty good match. Like Slim J's uh, Ooh, Slim J, yeah, that's a good one too. Yeah, he's very athletic. He is, he is. He's probably... Probably gonna flatten the uh, flatten the butler. He's gonna flatten Sunny Kiss. Uh, he probably have a good match against Aria Dabari as well. That gives him like what if we give him one match every two weeks? I give him for like ten weeks or something to do, doesn't it? I suppose Parker would probably be the the big blow off match. I would assume. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but very quick segment. Didn't last long. Not at all. Nope. But since we get to talk about Hook, that means we get to do a little Hook of the Week. What the hook gonna be? And two weeks ago, when we were still here on the show, you took Hook of the Week last time and talked about Hooker, not the sex worker, but the position within rugby. And this week, I get to kind of pay a little bit of tribute to football right now, since it is football season in the NFL and college football. And we're going to go with a trick play in football known as the hook and ladder, otherwise known as the hook and lateral. You familiar okay. with this? I am familiar with some um, NFL plays, yeah. I used to play the Martin games quite a bit. Okay, okay. So a hook and ladder, you know, it basically is a pass to a receiver on what is known as a ladder route which is mm-hmm. basically a slant or a cross route, you know, across the field. So the the receiver will start on one side, they'll run straight for a little bit, and then they'll kind of cut or, you know, slant or cross across the field and usually will maybe get the ball thrown to them if they're open for whatever reason. Um, but, yeah, you know, you pretty much 
Like I said, they usually run about 10 or so yards down the field, the receiver does, and then they kind of hook to the right or hook to the left and kind of move toward the center of the field and hopefully are able to get open to receive the pass from the quarterback. It's like a, a short pass play, though, yeah. They usually are, yeah. I mean, they don't really amount to much gain, right? Like, you, you might get 10 or 20 yards out of one, but... There are some hook and ladder routes where the guy will run down the field like 20 or 30 yards and then do a slant or a cross across the field. Those are kind of more of like your your deep passes, not necessarily a Hail Mary, but um, they, they do kind of utilize some of those deep passes as well from time to time. Um, I'm sitting here as we record watching the NFL Red Zone Network, you know, just kind of paying attention to Sunday football right now. So figured why not go with the old hook and ladder? Nice, nice. Yeah. So that's your hook of the week this week, a hook and ladder, otherwise known as a hook and lateral. I like it. I like it a lot. All right. Well, it takes me back to uh, me then. And we have two left, my number two and three. Are these your number one and three? Number one and two. One and two. Okay. Okay. Uh, number two for me was the main event. John Silver taking on Roosh. Okay. Uh, that was my number two. Okay. Okay. Um, I actually, you know, coming off of Roosh getting announced as signed to AEW and being all elite, I I appreciate that, and I and I like how Roosh has basically been thrusted into not necessarily a main event scene, but he is pretty much a featured star now on any given week, whether it's on a dynamite or a rampage, he's usually there in the forefront, right? Like, you know, he was one of the final two in the battle Royal with hangman, Adam page, which is why they're wrestling again on the anniversary episode of dynamite. Um, John Silver, Johnny Hungy, obviously always being a, a mega fan favorite. So putting him in the main event of a dyna- or a rampage, I think makes a ton of sense. I thought this was an entertaining match. Yeah, I think I think it was definitely slow in parts, but it was pretty good. Um, I didn't I didn't get the um, Roosh did some kind of like punt haunt. I didn't really understand that. Do you remember that from like the, near the beginning of the match? I think it's something like like a bull rush taunt kind of sort of thing. Cause he's supposed to be, you know, he's El Toro uh, Blanco. Okay. So I think he yeah, was yeah. kind of like doing some, some sort of like bull type movement, but that's the only thing I could kind of make sense of when he did that. Okay. Fair, fair. Um, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't, as I said, it was a uh, slow in points. We did get like a um, silver court roost for a power bomb. That was quite cool. We'd get a, we'd get a nice little one dubbing a three foot brain, brain buster from John Silver. That was quite cool. Um, and then, yeah, the distracted set up the bulls horns for the end and that was that which is a really cool looking move like yeah, yeah. you know they, they do a lot of you know like the double knees to the corners and stuff but you don't really see guys come off and do like a missile front drop kick sort of thing into somebody's face in the corner so I, I do like Roosh's finishing yeah. move. I think that's pretty dope. Um, definitely looked like he connected right in the front of John Silver's <laughs> face on that one. Um, but yeah, this definitely set up, you know, what we were going to see next Friday night on Rampage with 10 and Andrade in a Mask V career match. And then again, they set up a, another match between Hangman and, and Roosh for this Wednesday night. So um, I think it did its job. I enjoyed this one. Yeah, it wasn't my favorite match of the night. That little few slow parts, but it was uh, it was not bad. Yeah, not bad at all. Lead us, lead us into the last. It was I doing the lows on this one? Uh, you were, but this is technically your number one. It is, and it's my number three. So that'll be the uh, the triple threat opener between the acclaimed Private Party 
And Butcher and the Blade, almost forgot Butcher and the Blade were in that match. Yep, they were there. They were there. But yeah, I think, um, I think Bowens and Isaiah Cassidy started off the match and they had some like really good chemistry with each other. They do really well. Um, pretty sure the acclaimed of Nina caught a new, like a scissor leg drop, kind of akin to like, you know, the Dudleys used to do like the what's up thing. Yeah, well, they have a the scissor leg drop now. Yeah. Yeah, which looked, which looked really quite awkward to um, pull off. But there you go. We've got a. Uh, Got an actual scissor move in the in the acclaims arsenal is uh is pretty good i think the match did slow down in, in bits when uh when a butcher and blade were in there obviously because they don't move as fast as the others um yeah I, private party they did quite well to be fair. <laughs> and i think it made sense to have you know because usually for rampage they'll already have the participants on the first match in the ring i think it made sense for them to still have the acclaimed come out on tv because they do the rap so they, they definitely get the most exposure that way that and a pretty entertaining rap making fun of uh the butcher and his band falling apart and private party and, and their whole matt hardy deal um i, I thought it was it was a relatively entertaining uh, rap from max caster and did you notice after they picked up the victory and the acclaimed music kicked in there are lyrics to their actual theme now as well okay i did not yeah when when they played the music after there was like a rap from Max Caster in the actual theme instead of it just being instrumental. Is it not just like, do you claim going to win, better, 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 whatever it is? No, it's that... an actual rap. Okay, I'll have to check that out then. Put that in my Spotify playlist. Yeah, yeah, I need to listen to it and actually hear what they talk about, but it was an actual... Uh actual theme now so that's pretty cool i think i had this ranked lower than jamie willow and roosh john silver because i'm getting a little bored with triple threat tag team matches yeah it was it was a little odd that um we got we got this i think there was more storyline between the butcher and the blade and private party, party wasn't there cause which it's... is usually what fucking happens in these triple threat tag team title matches it's more yeah. about the other people and not the title holders yeah, which is a shame. Um, yeah, TK needs to find storylines for the actual tag champions, not for other teams going around them. I agree. We'll see. We'll see. We need to find out who um, acclaims like feud's going to be against. I suppose I don't know whether because they did have a little segment with Keith Lee before, didn't they? And he was up like a. Uh... And Swerve was one of the ones that was affected by the hurricane. He wasn't there. He was. This yeah. Week. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, Lee said something about Swerve being uh, still still being a little salty, so he's not here. Um. So yeah, I do wonder whether they're going to come back and we're going to have a little sort of. Um, little sort of mini feud between Keith Lee and Swerve and the Acclaimed before the Acclaimed go on to what should essentially be uh, facing FTR, really. They're making a a big deal about Swerve being pissed off at Billy Gunn because of his interference and costing them the titles. I actually think they might set up a match between Swerve and and Billy. Okay. I think I'd rather see see Billy and Keith Lee go at it. Um, I just want to see daddy ass in the ring, baby. He still looks good for 56. He still looks jacked, doesn't he? Yeah, he's fucking huge. So, yeah. But uh, that was Rampage. And taking a look at Rampage and what we got there. <sighs> Half from me. Are you doing star rating, yeah? No, I'm gonna, I, I got a star rated here. But I'm having a hard time th- thinking, like, do I give this a little bit of a higher rating than I did Dynamite? Because no match came close for me this week over Jericho and Bandito. Like, that was the star match of AEW's content over the past week. I'm going to stick three stars. I'm going to say three stars exactly for Rampage as well. Okay, I'll go with two and a half on this. It wasn't, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't special. It was, it was just kind of middle of the road, to be fair. Okay. Two and a half. I like it. I like it. 
Looking ahead before we do our usual segments to close out the show this Wednesday night on Dynamite. It is an anniversary episode from Washington, D.C. We have a lot of things on the docket. MJF taking on Wheeler Utah in singles action. We already mentioned it before. Daniel Garcia and Brian Danielson taking on Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara in tag team action. We have Darby Allen taking on Jay Lethal. Luchasaurus is expected to be in action. I'm assuming a squash match. It is National Scissoring Day, so that'll be entertaining, I'm sure. And we also have Hangman Adam Page taking on Roosh. So not a bad-looking dynamite coming up. Hopefully they pull it off. Hopefully it's an entertaining one. Yeah. And then this Friday, we have two hours of AEW content as well, both live. So Rampage kicks off at 10 p.m. Eastern time. It is live, and then they're following it up immediately. Instead of Battle of the Belts 4 being on Saturday, like has been the case for the past three, Battle of the Belts is on Friday night this time, and it's live directly after Rampage. So, first of all, starting with Rampage, we only know one match confirmed so far. Andrade taking on 10 in a career V mask match. And I, like I said, I actually think that is being done to troll the fans. I do think Andrade is going to win this match and 10 is going to lose that mask. So we'll see what happens there. And then Battle of the Belts 4, we know one match confirmed so far. It's for the All-Atlantic title. Pac is going to be taking on Trent Beretta in kind of like a like a grudge type match from what Pac did to Orange Cassidy at Grand Slam and hitting him in the head with the bell hammer. Yeah, we didn't cover that, um, obviously, because we missed that episode. It was weird that... Um decided to use the bell uh use the hammer to hit orange cassidy but she said if you dated i keep going with people over pack to win that title but i don't think Pac's dropping that to trent, so. no he's definitely not dropping that title to trent so not a damn chance not a chance so we'll definitely have a you know a little bit of a lengthier show next week for blood and destroyers because we'll have to recap dynamite rampage and battle of the belts so plan for that but uh before we get on out of here you know what i think we need to do i think we need to hit the gong and do a little burial ground what do you say yeah let's let's uh bury some people all right two weeks ago you sent jay lethal down to the burial ground and brought ethan page up this week going down in the burial ground for me even though he make it the best pizza <laughs> i gotta send luigi primo down to the burial ground this is twice yeah. now we've seen him in AEW. And each time, he's been flat on his back in both segments. <laughs> First, he got taken out by Ethan Page, and this time he got taken out by Daniel Garcia. Um, you know, I, I kind of hope Luigi Primo sticks around. He is a he is, he is is another type of character that is very similar to, like, an Orange Cassidy or a Danhausen, and that they are a comedy act, but they're not terrible wrestlers either. And I was watching some, like, footage and in indie wrestling of Luigi Primo on YouTube, and he's constantly, like, spitting the pizza dough in the ring while wrestling, and mm-hmm. I, I think it's just fucking hilarious and entertaining. So I hope that we get to see him stick around. I don't know that he will, but I kind of hope we do. Yeah, I think he might just um, I think he might just be on, like, uh, a paper appearance deal. And if we get oh, for sure. Bit, yeah, you could say his, uh, his dough won't rise. <laughs> I mean, we're not going to see a graphic Luigi Primo is all elite, so we're not going to see that. But, um, you know, he does make the best pizza. So I want to try his pizza. You actually, it's going to be very like sweaty taste of uh, ring mats. Good pizza. Good pizza right there. Coming up in the barrel ground this week. It's Bandito. Yeah, cool. Straight in, straight out. Nice. Yeah. I mean, there's no other guy 
or girl that deserves to be thrusted into the going upward trend of the burial ground right now than Bandito after that star-making performance with Jericho on Dynamite, dude. Like, incredible. Absolutely incredible. And Bandito's amazing. Like, if you've ever watched any of the Ring of Honor shit, man, Bandito is such an amazing wrestler, and I'm so glad that he had that star-making performance with Jericho, and it's basically leading to him getting a fucking contract with AEW, which is well overdue. Um, what a what a wrestler. Mm-hmm. Do you know what? I didn't, I didn't, I thought he was much taller than he was. But he's still on the ramp. I was like, okay, okay. And then we got in the ring with Jericho. I said, Fuck, that guy's little, isn't he? Yeah, he's a, not tall. He's shorter. Yeah, he's definitely shorter. So that's your burial ground. Luigi Primo going down for now until he starts making the best pizza and winning and Bandito coming up. Nice. Yeah. But uh, I think that's going to do it for this episode of Blood and Destroyers, unless you have anything else you want to mention before we get out of here. No, all good. All right. Well, we do want to thank you for staying with us and listening to another episode of Blood and Destroyers and all elite wrestling podcasts made possible, of course, by RPGera.com. Want to help us grow the show? Subscribe and spread the word. Details on ways to do just that can be found in the show notes on whichever podcast app you've chosen to listen to us on. And in those show notes will be a link to our Discord server. Click it, join it, and interact with us. Taking us out of the show as usual, we're going to go with theme song of the week. Last week, or two weeks ago, you went with Ethan Page's theme, which we hadn't done before. And this week, you already know what I'm going with. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to we're gonna pay tribute to Soraya. <laughs> we are going to go with Zombified by Falling in Reverse. Because, first of all, I love that song. It debuted earlier this year. I probably played it on loop in Spotify over two or 300 times by now. And that was before Soraya debuted. Like, I am a big fan of Falling in Reverse. I, I like their music. I like Ronnie's style. And as soon as I heard during Grand Slam that opening guitar rift of Zombified kick in, before anybody else, I knew it was Soraya coming out because it, it's the only thing that made sense. So... Uh, I never thought we would get to play a Falling in Reverse track for theme song of the week. So now that we get to, I'm going to fucking run with it. So we're going to close out with Soraya's theme again, Zombified by Falling in Reverse. Now hit the music. Zombified. your bed, cause they are the voices in your head. Zombified by the lies they said, we've become the walking dead. Cause everybody's like a bitch. Oh no, they'll never let go. Something you said 10 years ago, they're canceling, canceling. Short tongue, cause you don't wanna piss off anyone. We're traumatized by the damage done. Welcome to America.
Zombified.